John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Jesus says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my words, rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Uh, Many years ago in Scotland, the parish minister would visit the schools to check that the children were doing their religious education in their classes And there's a story about a minister who visited one of these schools one day and the religious education that the children were doing in the classes was that they were memorising the Apostles' Creed. Each of the children learned a line of the Apostles' Creed and they were waiting for the day when the minister would come and they would all stand up and recite their line from the Apostles' Creed. Well, the day came and the minister came to visit the school to inspect the religious education program The children sat ready and then stood and delivered their lines at the appropriate time. Things began very confidently. The first child stood up and said, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and then sat back down. The next child stood up and said, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, and then sat down. It was all going like clockwork until they got to the line that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it was all silent. No one said anything. The minister waited, the teacher waited, until finally one of the children stood up and said, please sir, the boy who believes in the Holy Spirit's not here today. (laughs) The person and work of the Holy Spirit is something that Christians have struggled to understand for quite some time, uh, as is the idea of the Trinity. Just how is it that you can have a God who is one God but three persons, and both those things at the same time. How can there be three and one, or one and three, and how can they all be God? It's not an easy thing to understand, and it's not an easy thing to explain, but it's what the Bible repeatedly says. And it's clearly what this passage in John's Gospel talks about today. 
But let's go back to the beginning. It's the whole of John 14 that we're going to have a look at. And if you've got a Bible open, it would be great for you to be able to follow along. Have a look at the very opening verse of chapter 14. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, in some ways, that's what stands at the very heart of this whole chapter. Jesus is wanting to reassure his disciples. They are troubled and confused by what's happening. So what are they troubled and confused by? Why are they upset? Why does Jesus need to reassure them? Well, go back just to the end of chapter 13. Find verse number 33. Look at what Jesus has just announced to them. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus has announced to these men that he's leaving. He's going away, and they can't come with him. Now, don't underestimate the impact that this would have had on these disciples. We're talking about men who have spent three years with Jesus. They have trusted him, they have believed him, they are so committed to him that they've left everything behind in order to follow him around for three years. They left behind jobs and homes, even family, to be with Jesus. They've given up everything, including three years of their life, to follow him. And now he says he's going and that they can't come with him. And they don't even know where he's going. It's not hard to see why they'd be at least a little bit confused about what's going on. So what Jesus does in this passage is reassures them about two things. He reassures them about their long-term future, but he also reassures them about their immediate future. One of the real ironies in this passage is that Jesus spends most of his time in this upper room wanting to comfort and reassure his disciples. But it's Jesus who'll be going to the cross in just a few hours. And he's doing the comforting. He's doing the reassuring of his disciples. Well, the first reassurance is about their long-term future. He said that he is returning to the Father. So the disciples are wondering, well, where does that leave us? What's the future going to be for us? If you're gone and you're back with the Father, where does that leave us? So this is what Jesus says. Look at it there in verse number 2 of chapter 14. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He reassures the disciples that there will be a place for them with the Father and with him. may sound a little crass, but I think he's saying there's plenty of room for you. You don't have to worry about that. It's not as if it's just a select few who will be there. There's loads of room and there'll be room for each of you as well. Jesus may be returning to the Father, but the day will come when he will come back here to take his disciples to be with him. These are among some of the most cherished verses in the Bible. Jesus says that he's going to prepare a place. 
remember someone telling me one time that they'd learned this verse as a child, but the idea that they had in their head was that Jesus was going on putting on a builder's belt and was going to be doing a little bit of construction work in heaven, uh, getting a place ready for us, that the house wasn't big enough and they were going to have to put an extension on and that Jesus was the one who was going off to do that. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. Have a look again at verse number two. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. I think the New International Version actually does a little bit of a disservice to the verse here. Because the word there, see it there just at the end of the, of the, of the verse, verse two, the word there is actually not there in the sentence. Well, what I mean is it's not actually in the sentence. So the sentence should really read, I am going, not there, not going to my father's house to prepare a place, but I am going to prepare a place for you. See, in the rest of John's gospel, when Jesus talks about where he's going, he's talking about the cross. And that's how he prepares a place. He doesn't prepare a place by fluffing up the pillows or making sure that beds turn down. He prepares a place by dying on the cross. That's how our place in heaven is assured. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So he reassures them about their long-term future. He says, I may be leaving now, but there will be a place for you and with me and with my Father because of what I am about to do for you on the cross. In fact, that's why he's leaving now. And that's the place that he's going to that they can't come. They can't do what he's about to do. And he says to them a little later on, you'll even be able to do greater things than me, but there's this one thing that you can't do, and I have to do it alone. Jesus wants to reassure them about their long-term future, but in verse 8, Philip suggests there could be one more thing that would really reassure them. Look at what he says. Philip said... Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough. He's not the last person to have said that, is he? I mean, I think there are still people around today. If God could just reveal himself to me, if I could just see God, that'd wipe away any questions that I've got. Show us the Father and that'll be enough. That'll clinch it for us. We'll be completely committed if you can do that. But I bet Philip wasn't expecting the answer that Jesus gives him. Can you show us the Father, Philip says, and Jesus says, you've seen him. See it there in verse number nine. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Family resemblances can be uh, a very strong thing. I remember uh, when our kids were at primary school, I went over to the primary school to meet some of the new teachers. I used to teach scripture in the primary school. And so I went over to meet some of the new teachers and particularly to meet Ben's new teacher. She was new to the school. I'd never met her before. So I walked into the playground and this teacher that I'd never met before in my life came up to me and said, you must be Ben's dad. And... uh, I mean, the family resemblance, if you know Ben, is, is quite strong. I've always tried to tell him that surgery will probably be able to fix that later on in life if he's, if he's lucky. But 
Family resemblances can be extraordinarily strong. But Jesus is not talking about a family resemblance here. He's not saying, I'm a bit like the father. If you've seen me, you kind of got a rough idea what my dad's like. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying he and the father are similar or he and the father share a few characteristics. He's saying that he and the father are one. And he doesn't just say it once. See, this is one of those passages where people who think that the Bible doesn't really talk about the Trinity, well, what is Jesus talking about here? Have a look through, skim through it with me. Chapter 14, verse number 7. If you know me, you know the Father. Verse number 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Verse number 10 at the beginning. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Verse 10 again. The Father is living in me. Verse 11. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The connection between Jesus and the Father goes right down to the very work that he does and the words that he speaks. Verse number 10 again. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now, I want to say this is no small thing for the disciples to get their head around. They may have understood that Jesus had come from God, but now Jesus is saying to them, I am God. You want to see God, Philip? You've seen him. In fact, you're looking at him right now. He's been with you for the last three years. It's an extraordinary claim, isn't it? But Jesus takes it one step further. As part of reassuring his disciples, Jesus says that he and the Father will come and indwell the disciples. Now again, this is a tough thing to understand, but it's clearly what Jesus is saying. So Jesus steps them through it fairly gently. Start in verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. This is just a little gentle introduction to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He's going to explain it further down the track. He says, I may be leaving, but the spirit will come to you. Did you notice that it actually says, and he will give you another Counselor, Do you know why Jesus says that? Because Jesus is the first counsellor. Counsellor is a tricky word. It's really hard to figure out what the best English word would be to put in this sentence. Because the Greek word means a called beside person. The person who stands right beside you. It might be that you're facing a tough time. Well, that's that person who's going to come alongside you and help you. It might be that you're standing in the court and you actually need an advocate who's going to stand there beside you. It's really hard to know how to to describe that person. But it's the person who's going to be right beside you no matter what. And Jesus says that he's been that person. I've been the counsellor for you. And I'm going to ask the Father to send another counsellor. And that counsellor will be the Holy Spirit. And just as the Father and the Son are one, so too is the Spirit. 
Now Jesus says three things in this sentence that on the surface of it they look contradictory. He says that the Spirit will indwell them in verse number 16. He says that He will indwell them in verse 18. And then in verse 23, He says that the Father will also indwell the, the, the disciples. Have a look at it. Verse 16, And I will ask the Father and He will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. And then verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And then verse 23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. But he's not saying three contradictory things, is he? Nor is he saying three different things. He's saying one thing. Jesus is leaving. He will no longer be physically present with them. But he's not leaving them alone. He will now be present with them in a better way. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a better way because it means that you don't have to physically be in Jesus' presence to be with him. That he is everywhere that people place their trust in him. He's with each of those people who place their trust in him. Now again, I don't want to suggest for a moment that this is all crystal clear and really easy to understand. That's why the early church spent so long trying to nut it out and express it in the creeds that they wrote as we saw a few weeks ago. But at the heart of this passage is really one simple question. Why did Jesus say all of this? And the simple question has a simple answer. Because he wanted to comfort and reassure his disciples about their present and about their future. You had to sum up what Jesus is saying. He's saying, there's a home for you with me for all eternity. You don't have to worry about that. The day will come when I will come and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. But until that time, my Father and I will make our home with you by the Holy Spirit. We will be with you by the Spirit, until you can be with us for all eternity. And the extraordinary promise that Jesus makes isn't just to the guys in that room with him on that night. It's to everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who places their trust in him. This is what Jesus says in verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and he will come to him and make, and we will make our home with him. Anyone who loves Jesus, anyone who trusts Jesus, anyone who lives as his disciples is promised that God will dwell with them. And there's two things that we should never forget. When this life is over, Jesus says, we have the certainty of eternal life because Jesus has prepared a place for us in his death on the cross. And no matter where you go in this life, if you have your trust in Jesus, Jesus is with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have your trust in Jesus, you are not alone. You are not an orphan. God is with us to comfort us, 
to guide us, to give us peace, to assure us that we are his people and to reassure us of the secure future that is ours because of Jesus.